We got a we got a squirter here. You got real excited about today's movies topic. Yeah, I got <laughs> foam all over my little mic stand. Murphy, yeah. don't drink that. You got the one of the <laughs> one of the dogs is trying beer. <laughs> what do you think? You like beer, dog? He looks almost comatose when he lays down. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a funny little dog. <laughs> Uh, so, welcome to Movie Boners. Welcome to Movie Boners! Uh, I'm Jake. I'd like to see your face when that happens. <laughs> you there. tried, but you failed. Alright, almost gotcha. <clears throat> so, we are drinking today Colorado Native Cerveza Nativa, only available in Colorado, suck the rest Ooh. of the world. Uh, it's a Mexican-style lager. I like it! Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm Dustin. I've had their... <laughs> <laughs> I've had their normal Colorado native before. Um, I actually... I haven't had their Mexican lager one, so I'm interested. I really like Colorado native, the brewery. Every beer I've tried so far, I've enjoyed. Yeah. Including this one. Yeah. It's it's pretty good stuff. And it has beer birds on the can. And it has... And it's got a big old bird on the can. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're trying something new uh-huh. today. Well, really it's not... Something new. We're still going to talk about movies, so it's the same shit. Right. Um, different format. Yeah, so we decided mm-hmm. that it would be fun to deep dive like we do with directors yeah, and a couple actors that we've uh, talked about, uh, but focusing just on one movie. Yeah, so we realized in all of our episodes that we have been talking about a lot of movies so far yeah. in our 30-something so episodes. movies. But we'll fit 10 to 20 movies within an episode, and each one gets three to five minutes, and so that's not really enough time to talk about all the things we love. Yeah. And especially with certain movies that are bigger, more complex, and really wanted to kind of just deep dive deep into a single movie and see where it goes. So I had to laugh, like prepping for this one. Yeah. Don't worry, folks. We're going to tell you the movie, but you're going to wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to laugh that... We've made it a point to not be like a cliche, pretentious movie right. podcast. I try. Um, I think we, we have moments where we teeter, <laughs> where we could get real close to doing it. But yeah. I feel like we've done a real good job of making sure we don't. Yeah. So the movie that we're diving into, I felt was a funny decision uh-huh. because I've talked to some people who hated this movie because really? they felt it was so pretentious oh interesting yeah so i i started laughing yeah because i was like how will we not go the pretentious route yeah while talking about a movie that from some people i've talked to right who felt that it's a pretentious film yeah <laughs> so like, this could be an interesting one yeah <laughs> i think this one might be the closest we get to being okay pretentious but I have faith in us that we'll be like, fuck that. Yeah. As soon as we do, I know we'll fuck it up right after that. Oh, 100%. Because it's just not in us. Yeah, I have faith in that part of us. Uh, before we really get into it, though. Thank you, Wandering Lion. <laughs> have you noticed we're making it a point ever since yeah. we fucked it up? <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but also I didn't want to get away from it. No, no, no. I, I like the pause. Yeah. That was like a, like a, like a preface. We, that was the preface of the episode. 
now commercial break thank you wandering lions for our beer segment um go check out wanderinglionstudios.biz if you want if you have any sort of creative talent you want to have a film you want made have anything you need shot just any sort of I'm, I'm sure they'll do anything that you need video production work for and then also if you need feedback need your script reviewed whatever check them out wandering lion studios they're awesome they are cool guys uh they're funny they're very funny guys yeah watching their uh I laughed a lot during their award the, show. During the award show. So the, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, they had a lot of good jokes in there. I it was so their, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I liked their uh, best makeup. That was really funny. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of fun I, jokes. I think my favorite part of that was actually the cin- cinematography part. Yeah. Where they brought their camera guy out. <laughs> what made me laugh so hard was they're like dressed up. Yeah. And then he comes out in like a ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i love that that because he's working right yeah he didn't want to be in front of the camera <laughs> yeah. his job's behind the camera yeah but that was fun yeah the film fest was a lot of fun yeah i'm glad we could be part so of that check those guys out wandering lion studios biz yep. um they they know their shit they really do yeah yeah and they're cool guys support independent film that's important too yep so so today's episode like you mentioned is about a film that could be pretentious could be divisive I personally like it. I yeah, I'm a fan of this movie. Um, I know a lot of people. It raises some questions on the world that it takes place in. Yeah, because it takes place in the real world, but with realistic magic, almost. Yeah. Or yeah, it's magical realism. That's right. like the term. Yeah, there's a fantasy element that's not explained or even really mentioned or pointed out that much right but it is a big part of it and for a lot of it you're wondering if it's real or in his head and then as it goes along it just kind of you're kind of left to just make up your own mind which is awesome yeah uh we should note this will be heavily spoiler (laughs) like this this might end up being our biggest spoiler episode ever <laughs> yeah we may end up describing the entire movie so 100 percent, certainly well and obviously with this particular movie we have to talk about the ending yeah i want to hear your thoughts on it obviously okay um so yeah i guess we should finally tell you what the movie is so we're gonna talk about uh birdman birdman the unexpected virtue of ignorance from 2014. Right. It's kind of crazy that it came out in 2014, because yeah. I still feel like it just came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you should see it. You I, should. I think that it's worth seeing, even just to form your own opinion on, and then come back and hear us talk about it and uh, see if that helps or hurts or whatever. Whatever. But uh, yeah. So heavy spoilers ahead. <laughs> right. So it's, it's interesting being from 2014. Birdman is one of the few times that I think that the Oscars got the best picture right. Okay. I do th- appreciate that it won, and I feel like it should have won a- amongst the other things it was up against. Right. It was one of those few times when I was like, yeah, good, <laughs> all right, I can't believe you won. Yeah, Birdman was, uh, for us, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton yeah. served a pretty big chunk especially for like you and i especially for you and i especially for you and i and yeah that's a big part of why i think it was brilliant to choose him for this subject yeah of this movie um did you feel so everyone says that birdman was like michael keaton's comeback Hmm. did you kind of get a weird feeling of like 
I didn't realize Michael Keaton ever left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, when I squinted my eyes when you said that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right. I was like, he didn't go anywhere. Right. That was always my thought with because everyone was like, oh, he's revitalizing his career. He's back. And I kept thinking like, but he's never mm. left. I mean, I mean, he's just... That's kind of the main character's motivation. Right. And I think maybe they drew too much similarities between them. There is a lot of similarities between everybody in the film and their real life personas. Right. But Which is one of my... In like a satirical way. That's probably one of my favorite things of that movie. Well, we can dive deeper into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't think he went away. Me neither. I was like, I've seen a lot of things with him in it. Still. Like, it's not like he hasn't done anything since 1992. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I want to do first, though, and okay. we're kind of winging this, so yeah. bear with us. Yeah. Um, before we start getting, like, dive super deep, mm-hmm. what was your first impression? That's I'm curious to know okay. what your very first impression was. My first impression... How do I phrase this? My first impression was that this movie was really unique. And that it it moved really well, like the music really stood out, um, which the music isn't really music for a lot of it. The music is just drums for a lot of it, which is awesome. It is so different. It's like jazz drums and it it really moves the story and the scenes along. It works well. It's very kinetic. Um, And and the way that it's shot um, stands out as well. So. the way that it's shot and the way that it's follows these people throughout this theater. Um, I really, really liked that. So I liked it. I liked the way it was done. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was the story also is very, very interesting. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of layers to it, which is one of the reasons we picked it to talk about is uh, it's one of my favorite movies from the last decade or so. Yeah. It hasn't come up on our show yet. And so I was like, this is a perfect one to really go deep on for all those reasons. Yeah. Uh, Do you find it interesting? Maybe it's like a subconscious you and I have been going through. Yeah. uh, With whether it was like Tarantino films or the Shyamalan films, this one. Uh It's almost like our brains have purposely (laughs) left these movies off of the list. Yeah. Just for their own. It could be. Episode. It could be. Part, (laughs) Part of it for me is I had kind of forgotten about it. And then was recently reminded of it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. I can't believe I forgot about it, and I can't believe we haven't talked about it. Um, so, But yeah, maybe it was subconscious that maybe. just blocked it out. I don't know. It's just been kind of funny to me that like yeah. movies that you and I are well known for claiming to be like, yeah. one of the all-time greats, it's our favorites, and then we don't talk about them <laughs> in the yeah. genres. Yeah. Well, there's so many great movies. There are. There are so many. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my first impression on it, immediately, I just kind of knew, like, this might be one of my favorite Keaton films. Yeah. Batman will always mm-hmm. hold the the throne. Yeah. Because it's Batman. But this movie, like, his character is so good. And I think this what really blew me away in this one was, like, Michael Keaton looks like he was just kind of either, A, given full freedom to uh-huh. act how he wanted... Or B, he just tapped into something mm-hmm. so special and unique. Yeah. Um, after reading production notes and watching all the like behind the scenes stuff, I know for a fact it's B. <laughs> he was not given full range. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know that there was a lot of rehearsal that happened in this movie. It's got like the most rehearsal out of mm-hmm. any film. Yeah, and I, and a big part of that is because it's it's it moves around a lot, and so there's a lot of choreography that yeah, you need to. Well, everybody they, needs to move and stand, and the camera needs to follow, and it moves a lot. And there's only like a like a dozen or so it's noticeable 16 takes. noticeable cuts. Yeah, yeah, so there's different. There's very limited cutting in the film, so long scenes, and they move a lot throughout yeah. the scene. So yeah, there's a lot of practice to figure out where to move and who to, who's talking and all that stuff. Yeah, besides just his performance, which immediately was like intoxicating, if yeah. you want to sound... <laughs> pretentious? <laughs> it's a little uh, borderline pretentious. Right, right, right. I told you we would. <laughs> um, but I thought the story was really interesting. It was unique. Yeah. What I took away that first time, and every time I've watched it, especially this last week, just getting super mm-hmm. fresh viewing, it's one of the best satire films yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's such a perfectly... A big thing about great satire is timing. Yeah. And that's why South Park is so incredible, because they have that such fast turnaround time. They can do something, put out an episode the same week that something significant happens. Right. Um. Birdman is great satire because it's about Michael Keaton and about a superhero who is washed up and trying to like get back into like acting and get his name back out there and he doesn't want to be forgotten or only remembered as this hero. Right. Guy. He's trying to like do something polar opposite of yeah. what he's known for. Yeah, he's like, I'm an artist, I'm not just Birdman, I'm not just Batman, I'm an artist, I want to be remembered as that. But so it's partly about old superhero movies. But it's also set during the real world where Marvel is becoming a big deal. They're kind of <laughs> right. overtaking the superhero movie space. And so there are a couple of quick jabs at uh, there's a TV entertainment news station on TV and Robert Downey Jr. And they're talking about the new Iron Man and the Marvel stuff. <laughs> Wesley is snoring. <laughs> I was like passionate snoring right there. And then uh, at the very beginning of the movie, one of the actors drops out um, because he gets injured. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. But uh, they're they're talking about who to replace him with. And they're like, Jeremy Renner's really good. He was that Hurt Locker guy, won a, nominated by the Academy. <laughs> like, but he's doing the Avengers. Everyone's fucking doing yeah. the Avengers. They put a cape on him. He's a superhero now. So, yeah, it's very much about superheroes and superhero <laughs> movies in, like, the very beginning of that becoming yeah. a big, big thing. Yeah, it's... Just- it's so entertaining, and I loved. It. I I laughed a lot that first time. It, not necessarily like laugh out loud, but you definitely yeah. laugh fairly regularly, mm-hmm. especially if you catch on to like, oh, they're they're yeah. making fun of themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of like reference referential jokes, kind yeah. of. That's like especially at Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, Edward Norton is great. He's also so. Uh, Michael Keaton is a satire of himself as someone who has played Batman, and, and right. he's, they swap Batman for Birdman, which is kind basically. of an interesting satire because Keaton has come out and said so many times that this is the most unlike him character he's ever played. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but the connection with the whole Batman—they even use his Batman mannequin, yeah. to make the Birdman suit. Really? Yes, That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So they. 
reference that oh you played Birdman and you you had like four different Birdman movies like they made it go on longer than he did Batman yeah but he does mention in an interview he's like I haven't played Birdman since '92 which is the same year Batman, Batman Returns came out and uh, so yeah he's basically a satirical version of himself and at the same time Edward Norton is a is apparently I don't know Edward Norton but and I haven't heard that many rumors about Edward Norton but I did see that he's basically a satirical version of himself where it's out there in Hollywood that he's difficult to work with. Yeah, and it's overbearing uh, and I'm a, I'm an Edward Norton fan. I really respect his craft. I, I think he's super entertaining. He's a yeah. great actor. Um, every movie he's in, when I'm reading production notes, every movie <laughs> is he's a pain in the ass to work with because okay. he will break down your script. He'll like mm. he does get pretentious. He thinks he owns everything. He gets kind of big headed. Like it's a known notorious thing. Yeah. And then to see him do those things in this yeah. movie. They cast him as a character who does exactly that. Right. I just, he might be my favorite, like, satirical aspect of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Not my favorite part of the movie all around, but when it comes to the satire of that what they're reference. showing. Yeah. That one's so good. It's, <laughs> it's so good. It's very, he does it so well. Like, you can it's, certainly. It's almost like he's not acting. You, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and that's part of the movie is he talks about how when he's on stage, he's not acting really. But when he's actually in real life, he pretends more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a big part. And I do love that as well, where he's very much just shows up. He's the he's a character that's brought in to replace the one who dropped out. And uh, immediately he's like taking over directing and like notes. And he's like, no, do it this way. And <laughs> And so Michael Keaton is putting on a play yeah. on Broadway, his like first play that he's rewritten, uh, like adapted the play or book or whatever. He's adapted a, a story. A story. Uh, the story called What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. And uh, he adapted it. And then he's also directing the play and starring in the play. And immediately Edward Norton comes in and he's like, no, do it this way. Do it that way. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's essentially directing like immediately. <laughs> and at first it seems like he's making it better. And then the longer it goes on, the more you see Michael Keaton get frustrated. He's like, no, this is my movie, my chance. (laughs) Stop fucking. And it's such a, like, I love the idea that it's like, it really pokes fun at, uh, movie stars, movie actors trying to transition into Broadway because apparently, and this is like a, a kind of a known thing Mm -hmm. throughout the entertainment business. Yeah. Broadway actors have a very different mentality mm-hmm. and approach to their style of acting as opposed to like film stars. Right. And this movie does such a great job of showing like the disrespect that the Broadway stars have for the movie star yeah. and Broadway audiences feel like and and uh critics. Right. It makes fun of critics so well. But yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, that that critic <laughs> the critic is essentially outlining exactly what you just said she says it in the movie verbatim and she's kind of gatekeeping broadway so she's like i'm responsible for it hollywood is like stupid and easy (laughs) and and you measure your success in like weekend box office numbers right where we work hard every day kind of thing um but yeah for, for sure it's like that i haven't i don't follow broadway that much me neither um i know of like a couple of actors who have like I realized very late, I'm like, oh, they're really big. And like, uh, usually when they're like winning Tony Awards or something, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Hugh Jackman is apparently great <laughs> on Broadway. Who knew? Um, but that's all I know. Um, so 
I, I, <laughs> Your cer- <turn. laughs> I certainly wanted to talk about um, co-written and directed by Alejandro G. Inaritu. Inaritu. Who I'm uh, probably accurate. Close enough. Um, <laughs> Heads up. We don't know how to pronounce no. his name. <laughs> uh, he, I love him. I love him. Uh, he followed up this movie with The Revenant, which I also love. Um, he's just a great, great director. Yeah. And he, cinematography is a huge part of his directorial style. And it's if you liked The Revenant, you'll like the cinematography in Birdman as well. Because it's, like we mentioned, very long scenes, very little cuts um, in generally tight spaces. So it'll move from his apartment up above the theater, down through the stairs, onto stage. Uh, and sometimes time will pass without you noticing. So that makes it feel more kinetic, more chaotic, where they'll be backstage having like a conversation, having an argument. Camera will turn, go on stage. And now that actor is on stage in a different outfit. And so even though there wasn't a cut quote unquote right um time passed and this is now a new situation and you follow it so well i think that's why it it works directorially it's well done is it's that really easy to it's follow. not it's not confusing that sounds like it would be confusing and it's not at all it just kind of flows it's like you're on like an inner tube on a river and it just it, you go where the movie takes you right and it works uh i think a big part of why the movie flows so well mm-hmm. is actually the score which is just jazz mm-hmm. drums with a couple spliced moments of like yeah orchestra style which did you know that is why it never got nominated for the oscar for best score no yeah because they said well you borrowed other music to enhance the story to which i say original score yeah okay to which i say fuck off <laughs> that's one of the most original yeah movie scores i've ever heard yeah it is just drums. i can't think of any other movie that uses just jazz drums no bass no trumpets no anything yeah and it just you just the the movement of the film is and like down to every detail like the score is seems like it's made for the movie because right. as he's walking you're hitting you're hitting the drums well, and then as he like slaps a door open there's symbols that match and everything is just the drums are doing what you're seeing it's just a very connected feeling right and it's i mean he'll like the quicker pace walk that keaton will do yeah the quicker the drums are going yeah. and you're just you i mean it it flows. I thought you were going to say it didn't time. count because it was just drums. No, not like because they spliced other like orchestra stuff into it. Okay. I still call bullshit. Yeah. That movie has one of the coolest scores. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the m- most important, closely connected scores. Right. Like a lot of scores are like, oh, there's beautiful music while well, you're looking at something beautiful, but this is like actually interacting with the, the drums. Film. The drums feel like a just an enhancement of every character, especially yeah. Keaton. Yeah. Especially yeah. him. To They're me, most, like... Most pronounced when he's moving around. I cannot think... Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that movie with any other kind of score to it. And I can't imagine any other movie with this yeah. style score. Yeah, that's a good point. It's very... I mean, the drums are so unique to the way the movie flows. Right. How it got <laughs> snubbed on this is yeah. beyond me. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I agree with that 100%. So, (laughs) (laughs) bear with us, folks. We really didn't outline a lot for this one. Um, So, as I was watching it, I was just, like, taking notes during it of all the, like, 
all the different things that happened and all of the interesting things. The the story in general is like we mentioned is very very interesting and self-referential to Hollywood and superhero movies and superhero movie actors. Like his main conflict is that he's trying to get away from superhero movies and be like recognized as a serious actor. He doesn't want to get forgotten, but at the same time, he's also conflicted. So he has an internal monologue, which is the Birdman voice, uh, which is like deep and gravelly and Batman voice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and that voice is trying to like bring him back. He's like, it would be so easy. Just do another Birdman movie and you'll like you'll get a bunch of people to see it. <laughs> right. We'll you'll rejuvenate your whole career. Yeah. They'll love you. You'll be a big name again. You'll you won't be broke. Like he's been funding this play and losing money and <laughs> yeah. trying to get it off the ground. But he could just make a movie and be rich again. And wouldn't that be great? And uh, so, yeah, he's, there's like kind of a siren in his mind that's calling him back to this thing that he's trying to avoid for other reasons. And that part is very interesting to me. Yeah. And Keaton does such a great job of like interacting with the inner monologue or the Birdman yeah. uh, alter ego mm-hmm. that follows him around literally yeah. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what I really love about that whole interaction between him and the Birdman character is how little you actually see mm-hmm. Birdman. Yeah. It's all just his voice. Mm-hmm. And it, like, to me, it sounds like, I think we all do it. But we'll <laughs> like argue with our own inner yeah. monologues. Mm-hmm. He does it. He just lashes out a lot more about it. And it's so funny to like watch him freak out. Yeah. And him destroying the poster. Right. It's such a great little detail to me because he slams it, it gets torn, and immediately it's, oh, why'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I like that poster. <laughs> right. And you're like, it's in the Birdman voice, but mm-hmm. it's still Keaton. It's still this character yeah. of Riggin. And you're like, I think he's just mad at himself all of a sudden for right. destroying that. <laughs> right. It's, that was a gift. Yeah. I mean, it's still <laughs> part of him. Even though if he's even though he's in conflict with it, it's still part of him that he yeah. he likes, is fond of in some ways. He's keeps saying, Oh, I had a terrible time, it wasn't as good as you thought, like don't go back to it. Well, but- it's like he's he does such a good job of portraying this character who has been so like at some point in his career got so invested in the idea that he has to separate mm-hmm. from what gave him the success. Yeah. Which is a common thing right. in Hollywood for actors to be like, well, and I mean, really in any entertainment business, essentially, you hear about bands that are like, we fucking hate playing our early stuff yeah. because we've overdone it. Right. <laughs> we've moved on from it. Yeah. You change as a person as well as an artist. Yeah. And so uh, I think the way that Keaton really breaks down. I mean, he even has that huge monologue with his daughter of like, I'm trying to do something important. Yeah. And you get like, it's not the play that's important. It's Mm -hmm. I'm trying to separate. I'm trying to show people that I can do other things. So it's like a great show of avoiding typecast or at least fighting it. Right. But at the same time, you kind of have to embrace what gave you the success. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you have fans who love you it's the same right it's the same with the musician example people want to hear you do that or want to see you be that character because they love it and uh that's one of the things that the birdman monologue tells him is he's like 
you would have these like pimple-faced virgins creaming <laughs> right. in their pants because they just want to see you on screen again like us <laughs> right right it's very much like yeah yeah <laughs> we are those people who if michael keaton was batman again we'd be like yeah this is great which <clears throat> flash movie whenever you're it's supposed to come out <clears throat> yeah yeah that is happening he did, he did do that yeah i'm not gonna lie when they announced that keaton was gonna reprise bruce wayne mm-hmm. for the flash film like <laughs> i nerdgasmed it's yeah. okay i can say it proudly it also I mean, it adds more to the Birdman arc. Oh, 100%. Because now, <laughs> now his character has moved on and uh, gone back. And yeah, it makes the conflict even more interesting. Yeah. He made peace with it enough to go back to it. And maybe it's tragic. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'm excited to see it either way. Me too. Um, I really like the So the cast is so strong in this movie. We've already talked about Michael Keaton and Edward Norton. Uh, need to talk more about Edward Norton for sure. But, right. But this cast is yeah awesome. So his daughter is Emma Stone, um, and she is so interesting and just in and of herself. She's uh, Her been, character could be a movie yeah. alone. Yeah. She's <laughs> had drug problems, been in rehab, gotten out, come back to like kind of work for her dad as an assistant and trying to like help him get his play off the ground. Uh, also while trying to stay clean and and he's trying to like you they have some dialogue between him and and, like his ex-wife of this is supposed to be you and her connecting Mm -hmm. finally trying to be like an actual father daughter but you've gotten so wrapped up in his thing your career yeah that you've kind of neglected right and you can definitely like after you hear that because when emma stone first comes on screen you're like she's kind of a bitch yeah but when you start hearing the dialogue and learning more of like the little snippets of history, you just, you yeah. really get the sense like she's so pissed off because her dad just ignored her, right. <laughs> not intentionally. Just right. he got so caught up in career right. instead of relationship. Yeah, and it's been since the beginning. He was always involved in career. Yeah. Like they never. He was always kind of a bad dad in that respect. And now they're closer in proximity. She's working for him, but yeah, he's still con- wrapped up in his play. Not paying attention to her and kind of realizes that he's been a bad dad. He comes to, they have some really great scenes where he actually makes that connection and says that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she is, she's at the same time an addict who's trying to stay clean and he's not the most stable person to like be around. (laughs) So not that like healthy for her to like have the stability to, to stay clean right. and all that stuff and so that's a huge complication of the movie <laughs> um and then uh zach galifianakis is the like stage manager casting not the director of the show but he's no like, but he's like uh, he's helping he's a right hand man to yeah. michael keaton he's helping michael keaton like do the the behind the scenes stuff yeah he's kind of like a producer almost yeah of this. yeah uh before I, I i have a lot more to say about zach galifianakis but Real quick before I forget, Naomi Watts in this movie. Yeah, I love Naomi Watts in this too. movie. I did too. She's she's amazing. She's another actress in the play that they're doing, and you can tell they have like a history. They're old friends, kind of. Yeah. And uh, her and Edward Norton also have a long history together. So the three of on Broadway. Yeah, the three <laughs> of them kind of work are acting in the play together, but also have like a lot of behind the stage. She has, uh, she has one of my favorite lines in like any movie ever. Okay. 
uh, where she comes back into the dressing room. She's mm-hmm. like crying in the mirror and she looks at herself in the mirror. And she's like, why don't I have any self-respect? <laughs> and then the other actress is like, well, you're an actress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just great line. <laughs> yeah. It's just that, that Very... quick scene is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's Naomi Watts who is, you seems powerful and beautiful and incredible. Uh, has so many like things under her belt, but yeah, at the same time, you could certainly understand that this is probably pretty real. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, watching like the behind the scenes stuff and just, uh, all the production. Yeah. She did come out after reading the script and was like, wow, we, we're, we really are this bad, aren't we? And she was referring to like actors and especially Broadway actors of like, okay. we, we really are just divas. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> um, but back to Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. He's the one actor who, when you look at the paper, like just yeah. list of names, mm-hmm. his name stands out as like, why are you there? Yeah. No offense. Right. But why? You yeah. don't fit this. In the list of names with Michael Keaton, Edward, Edward Norton, Norton, Naomi Watts. Yeah. It's, it's a very dramatic list. Yeah. And Zach Galifianakis is known for being very silly. And then you watch him in this movie. Yeah. And he is the most grounded character <laughs> out of the entire crew. Yeah. He's the only, and even he's like, Losing it because he's so sick of everyone's shit. Yeah. Well, he's trying to wrangle cats in this, like, chaotic (laughs) stage production. He does... His character is another one where you're like, he could be his own story. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's so entertaining to watch because he just... He's the most sane. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I read a thing about um, because there were so many rehearsals and everything was so staged and planned out to get these long shots to work. um, Michael Keaton and Edward Norton were keeping track of how many mistakes people made. (laughs) And they said that Zach Galifianakis made the least amount of mistakes. And a lot of the mistakes he made, he like would flub a line, but he would recover so naturally that it just made it into the film yeah and so i feel like that's so impressive for somebody that you feel like doesn't fit just as far as names and reputation go doesn't fit as well he's the most like executed he was the most professional on set exactly that probably had something to do with and he he actually says this in some of the behind the scenes yeah uh, stuff is like he was so scared and just kind of (laughs) like almost intimidated to be around these people who have these iconic Mm -hmm. standings in Hollywood. I've always been impressed by his stand-up. Like, a lot of people know Between Two Ferns. His stand-up is so good. A lot of people know Between Two Ferns, and that show's really good. But his stand-up is different. It's not traditional (laughs) stand-up. And I feel like it's so natural that I can't tell how much is exactly written and perfected and performed or how much is it just him on the fly naturally (laughs) naturally riffing and so it certainly could be that he's a perfectionist or it could just be that he's naturally talented i don't know but he's but either way he's awesome he's great either (laughs) way so good um um before we get away from cast though yeah no we can stay on the cast i certainly want to mention uh, amy ryan who is if you don't know her name you should but if you, you would recognize her as holly from the office yep um she is uh, the ex-wife of Michael Keaton's character and the mom of Emma Stone. And she is great. I'm so glad that she's in this movie also. She's kind of 
she's grounding, I think, from Michael Keaton because they, you can tell that there's still appreciation or love there. Well, it feels... But it's like a platonic love at this point because it, he's just not a safe person for her to be around. Yeah. And so she made the right choice in divorcing him, but it's like st- she still supports him. She still wants him to succeed. Rewatching it this week, the scenes that she's in, which she's with Keaton the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I was like, they feel like an actual couple. Like, yeah. they, there's something. I'd... Yeah. Credit to them. Oh, yeah. But. They feel like, yeah, you, you, I could see you being a legitimate couple. Yeah. Like you don't feel like two actors just pretending. This right. feels like there's actual history to you guys. Now, yeah. They're both obviously not. <laughs> right. But it, that, that's just so much credit. I've always felt that Amy Ryan doesn't get the credit she deserves yeah. because everything I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. I'm a f- like she's yeah. just great. Yeah, she's one of the best characters. Even though she comes in late in the office, she's so deep in so many different ways. She's incredible there, and yeah, I've seen her in some other movies and stuff since then as well. Yeah, she's incredible. She's just so good. Um, let's go back to Emma Stone. Yeah, her in this movie, <laughs> the first time I saw it, took me off guard. Okay, because she lost so much weight. Lost she- so much weight. Well, she looks so thin. Does she? Yeah. Oh. You watch, like, super bad, and then you watch this. Maybe. Um. Maybe in the arms. I mean, I know she wears, like... In the arms. She wears, like, tank tops a lot, because I noticed her, like, her tattoos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that certainly could be, like... Are you going towards, like, the attic thing? Like, yeah, she was yeah, doing it yeah, to Yeah, where she did that? such a great job of, like... Yeah. Making you think, yeah, she kind of looks like she would be an addict. She's yeah. so believable, and her character is so standoffish yeah and like i said earlier at first you feel like oh i'm not gonna like her at all but then you learn about her character and when the addiction stuff gets mentioned yeah uh i don't know about you but for me it was like an immediate oh now i really sympathize with you yeah (laughs) and her like you can tell she's uh although she tries to separate quite a bit from Mm -hmm. her dad's job yeah. She's still trying to find any kind of comfort and she like mm-hmm. her and Edward Norton start clinging to each other and it's so awkward, yeah. but then you get it and it's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I really like their scenes together. So they have a couple of scenes on the roof of the theater. Yeah. Where like Edward Norton will come out onto the roof and she'll just be there, just hanging out. And I think the first time that that happens they like play a little game but it's mostly about him and like they play like truth or dare yeah and he kind of exposes certain things about him and his character and how he feels and why he feels like uh he's not performing on stage but he's performing in real life and all that stuff and then the second time that that happens and he finds her up there they they connect more and she kind of exposes more the first time she's like just like do you think I'm cute? Do you right? You, you ma- said I have a great ass. What the fuck was that about? Yeah. And yeah do you <laughs> want to get with me? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then and then the second time she's actually kind of like exposing more of her character and her trouble and and who she is. And that's when they kind of like connect and realize like, oh, we're both in similar places. Both like <laughs> we're connected. both kind of fucked yeah. up in the so head. So let's make out then, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> which they do. And I love how like. 
they're like kind of sneaking backstage and like right and then uh michael keaton sees it and that leads to the i'm sure everybody's seen the like underwear walk so he like <laughs> is in the middle of a stage production so they're doing they're doing like preview nights of this play to get where the audience can come in but it's not technically like, which was something i didn't know yeah was a thing but they, it is apparently and they treat it like it's just preview night it doesn't matter even though there's people who came to watch you they paid money they, yeah you have they a, will, you have an audience they're going to leave talking about <laughs> your play right and so you could have like you could have positive buzz or you could feel like it doesn't matter and they mostly seem like it doesn't matter um at least everyone except <laughs> michael keaton he's yeah. like it has to be perfect every yeah. night he does he does care about his own play which is good um but that's all going on, like and like right before the last scene of the play, he sees uh, his daughter kiss Edward Norton, and then he like goes outside for a cigarette, and his bathrobe gets stuck in the door, and so he has to like walk all the way around the building through like Times Square yep. with a bunch of people going like Birdman, Birdman. Which did you see the so the little production note on that and and some of the making of and behind the scenes stuff. Um, not all of those people were extras. Oh, I'm sure. That was an actual crowd. It's obviously Times Square and it's hard <laughs> it even like it's hard to find an empty time when that's right. when there's no audience. So people they just around. had to tell people it's funny cuz then they show it in the behind the scenes uh special feature which hey people, yeah. Watch your special features if you have the physical copies. Yeah. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I like them. Um but they had to tell like the extras who they tried to keep on the uh, uh, edges of the crowd okay. so that Keaton could make his way through. Yeah, telling people like the camera and him Somebody are coming jumps through in front, here, right? The shot and right, dances with their wing out. But they knew that they couldn't like stop all of the everyday people just hanging out there yeah. from seeing him. So yeah. I can only imagine what it was like for the sound guy and the editor mm-hmm. to be like, take out all of the Michael <laughs> Keaton. Hey, it's Batman and replace that with like yeah. Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That certainly could be one of the most complicated parts. To but edit. it's that scene when I found out that the majority of the people outside there, when he ran through the crowd yeah. were not actually a part of the movie. Okay. That made me appreciate Keaton even more because yeah, I mean, it's him. He stays in character all the time. He's in character and he's running through a crowd trying to get to the front of the theater. In his tidy whitey. In his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I also saw an interesting thing about because they did so much rehearsing and they kind of shot it in sequence, it was apparently super easy to edit. Yeah. So they like edited it in like two weeks or something like that. Uh, which is impressive. But yeah, that part was probably the most like contamination. And- right. Cause then you just got to like <laughs> take out mm-hmm. everything you don't want being shouted right. or replace it with, Oh, it's Birdman. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I did have to laugh. Uh, the production designer, I think it was him on the making of is talking about when they put up the, the marquee with yeah. uh, Keaton's character, Riggin Thompson. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the name of the play? What we're talking about when we talk about what love. We talk about when we talk about love. Yeah. He was laughing because as they're putting everything up and just kind of making sure that the, it was going to look all right. Mm-hmm. He starts talking about, it's really funny hearing these people trying to put on a persona. Mm-hmm. And he talks about these two older women 
actual New Yorkers okay. walking past the theater after they're setting up and just looking at it. And they're like, he looks familiar. And one of the old ladies goes, oh, yeah, he was in some other play. <laughs> and she, like, tries to spout out a whole bunch of facts about it. And the production designer, I'm pretty sure it was him, is like... He doesn't exist. This is a made None of this pain. is real. <laughs> it was like, but it made me appreciate the movie almost on another level that I had never really quite thought of. And that was just like, it can also kind of poke fun at yeah. the audience. Oh, for sure. People like you and I, where we, yeah. like, I mean, we're deep diving into a movie. Right. We weren't there. Right. <laughs> Everything we're talking about is just yeah. based on what we read Hearsay. or watched. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it. I mean, there's so many people involved. There's us, the audience. There's also us, the critics. Right. And then the people that are doing it, and and everybody's doing it for like is influenced by the other elements. So the people performing it, you kind of end up doing it that way. And Hollywood ends up being this way, or Broadway ends up being this way because of the way the audience is, or because the way the critics are reporting things, and you want critics to like your play so you do things a certain way and yeah you want to capture audiences so you do things a certain way so it's yeah it all kind of feeds itself but then it all ends up becoming weird and gross <laughs> yeah, and right. complicated. It, it was a it was a funny moment for me mm-hmm. it made me laugh just in general because that would have been great to hear like some woman trying to tell yeah. someone else like oh Regan thompson's a real guy <laughs> like yeah. no he's not <laughs> yeah but no, it, you're full of shit. I did have to laugh because it, it really was a whole new layer that I had never even thought of. Yeah. And I was like, man, for being a fan of the satire aspect of this movie, I never caught on until now that I'm part of that satire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's part of why I like it is it is very meta in, yeah. some, in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's, that's certainly a big part of it. Uh, the there's a part where he's giving a lot of like he's giving like interviews in his dressing room and he has a bunch of different reporters and they're asking him like dumb stuff uh one of them's asking him about something that this random person online tweeted about how he's like injecting himself (laughs) oh uh isn't that like the baby pigs or something like that? Yeah, it's like pig, drinking the blood of pig baby pigs or something saliva like that. or pig semen or something. Yeah. It's some like a youthful rejuvenation of it your face. It sounds like some TMZ bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Some, <laughs> some, just some random person tweeted it. And now he has to respond to it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And she's like, so you're denying it? He's like, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> right. denying it. I'm not it's, confirming it. Just, it's, it's just not real. It's, it's not, not a thing. thing. Yeah, stop asking me. <laughs> and then there's a Chinese uh, like reporter guy who's like quiet the whole time. And then he's talking about how, oh, they wanted me to do Birdman 4 and all this stuff. And then he hears Birdman 4. He's like, Birdman 4? You're doing Birdman 4? <laughs> right. And you see like four other reporters immediately jump on and like, oh, Birdman 4. And you see him writing down. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. And I, I certainly felt like that was a big part of like, a big part of Hollywood has kind of become the the Chinese audience and Chinese production companies and and I know a lot of them, a lot of Hollywood specifically, I don't know about Broadway, but Hollywood specifically does make a lot of decisions based on, well, China wouldn't like this, yep. so we need to change this. And uh, and so the, having this like Chinese reporter get excited about Birdman, Birdman 4 is more of like, a, oh, this is even more momentum why you need to do this. Because- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it, it definitely also makes you think I'm sure you've seen them. I see it a lot. So I follow on social media a lot more like actors. Yeah. Uh, some music stuff, some, some movie production stuff. And it is funny to me how much gets posted of like, this person's attached to this movie. And then you can look at one actual source and it's like, <laughs> at no point yeah. was this, that scene in the movie always reminds me of all of that yeah. on social media of like, 90% yeah. of this is bullshit. Yeah. It's always like <laughs> someone made a YouTube video where they like did a fan casting. They're like, here's who I would like to be in this Thor movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or here's people who's famous actors that I think look like these comic book characters. Uh, I see that a lot. And then yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person is attached. It's like, no, they have an audition. We're not even <laughs> holding auditions. I don't know what you're talking Usually about. the actor that's like <laughs> around that ends up coming out and like, We've never even talked about that. <laughs> yeah. I've never even met yeah. said director or whatever. Yeah, uh, I see a common one these days where it's like, look at uh, the most recent one. I just saw it this morning, actually. Okay. It was, check out Johnny Depp as the Joker for Robert Pattinson's Batman. And you're like, that's not a thing. <laughs> stop doing this. Also, stop trying to make it a thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, it feels very... Uh, uh, do you remember the movie Mean Girls? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the fleet or whatever? Fetch. fetch. Yeah. It feels that. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's, it's not, not going happen. to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly what it's like. But that also transitions for me into the, uh, the social media aspect of yeah. Birdman. Yeah. So a big part of it is he, Michael Keaton is not really caught up with the times he's, he's not, not hip with the kids he's not hip with the kids he doesn't have facebook he's not on twitter he doesn't really know anything about it and that's a big conversation he has with emma tom or emma stone who's like um you you base you worried about people not remembering you but at the same time currently you don't exist because everybody views the world through this lens yeah and you're not on the lens you're not, like she tries telling him it's a good thing after he runs around in his underwear that you're trending. That's yeah. a good thing. And he's yeah. like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden people are talking about him again. And uh, <laughs> for all the wrong reasons, yeah, he's on the news and, uh, but yeah, they're not really talking about his play. They're talking about this guy in his underwear in Times Square. <laughs> right. Who used to be Birdman. Yeah. I watching that movie now. And then thinking back to like, wow, 2014, we were saying a lot of social media stuff was pretty mm-hmm. cesspooly back then. Yeah. I don't think it was near as bad as it's gotten. No way. But it is funny hearing her try to explain, like, you want to go viral. Yeah. Because I'm, I side with him of like, <laughs> it just sounds bad. Yeah. It just, it sounds like a disease. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't sound like something you want. Yeah. And usually, if you're going to go viral with social media, you want it for a positive thing, not, right. not embrace a, a poor thing or a bad thing yeah. <laughs> just a a stupid moment <laughs> right <laughs> no that's very true um we haven't talked at all about the weirdest part of the movie <laughs> well there's a few so what do you think is the weirdest well, part the weirdest as in the most abnormal which is the fact that magic may or may not be real yeah um so there's kind of early on, I mean, very early on, immediately, the first, the second shot of the movie is him floating. The second shot of the, the movie is him meditating and floating off the ground. 
the first shot is a meteor falling to earth, which is very much a visual representation of him and his career. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, yeah, he's floating. And then several times during the movie, he will move things with his mind or he'll he'll look at things and things will move, especially in that scene where you talked about where he like throws a fit and breaks the like poster and he's just throwing things around, but he's not touching anything. He, yeah. He's moving uh, it telekinetically. He makes a, a light fixture fall onto an actor's head. <laughs> yeah, so the actor that, <laughs> the actor that gets injured and is removed from the play, who that's like such an interesting part to me where they're having this they're having this, I guess, rehearsal. Where there's the four actors, Naomi Watts, Keanu, uh, not Keanu Reeves, Michael Keaton, Naomi Watts, Michael Keaton, and uh, another lady and this other guy, <laughs> they are doing a scene and rehearsing and they're in character and then all of a sudden he'll break character and give notes. But all of a sudden this light falls onto this guy and like knocks him out. He's on the floor and he's bleeding. And Michael Keaton just gets up and walks away. Like he's so cold and disconnected right. from it. And then, yeah, he mentions that. He, well, he even uh, tells Galifianakis, <laughs> I did that. Yeah. He's like, I made that happen. Uh, and Jack, Zach Galifianakis is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking <laughs> right. about. He kind of like, whatever. Yeah. It, we need a replacement. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's thinking, we've invested so much. Yeah. We can't afford to not proceed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're going to start having audiences so, like tomorrow. <laughs> it's such a great moment, though, because he is very open about like, Mm-hmm. I did that. Yeah. I made it happen. Yeah. He sucks. I don't like him. Right. And he gets blown off by telling someone that he he moved a light fixture with his mind. Yeah. It, it just adds to the mystery of, is he actually doing this? And to the fit scene, Yeah, the whole scene with him, every I mean, he doesn't touch a single object. Mm-hmm. But then the camera turns and Galifianakis comes in and it does that like full rotation. Yeah. And he's Where you physically see it, throwing. You see the room from Galifianakis' point of view. Yeah. Yeah, and he's throwing some things now, and he's ripping papers and stuff. So, yeah, you certainly wonder, is because that's the scene with the light is the only scene where anybody's around. Every other time, nobody's around. And so you certainly wonder, is this in his head, or can he actually do this? And they do a great job of making you uh, go back and forth yeah. of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> He's totally making things move with his mind, and yeah. it, it adds to the uh, the magical realism of like yeah. in this world, mm-hmm. magic is real and it's just not special. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, that could be it. I didn't think of it from that perspective. I thought it, about it from the perspective of magic is real, and it cements his case why he feels like he should be recognized and remembered because he is special. But people don't know he can do this thing. Right. Um, but then they, they constantly throw, like, a wrench in that thinking. Yeah. You know, he he imagines that he's he's flying over New York mm-hmm. at one point. He's up on a rooftop at one point, and yeah. you hear a woman, are you actually going to jump, or is this for a movie? And he's like, a film! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I really like that they, they make you constantly kind of go back and forth with... Mm-hmm. Is he actually to use a magic or is this yeah. like a desperate mm-hmm. imagination? Yeah. That scene that you mentioned where the he's on, standing on the ledge and you think that he's going to jump and kill himself and he jumps off and then he starts flying over right. the city. I, I felt that the movie would have 
there may be a version that would be interesting to see where the movie ends there, where he does fly away that first time. And, um, and then you're kind of, when he maybe gets back to the theater, you kind of cut and you're left to wonder, did he die or yeah. did he actually fly away? Um, cause he goes back to the theater and then there's several other scenes after that. So you feel more like he did fly away. Well, he like, he gets dropped off by a taxi and he doesn't pay the guy and the taxi driver chases him into the yeah. theater yeah. right after he's flying over yeah. New York. And, and you're he, like, there's Wait. like, there's music going, drums going. Yeah. And he tells the like doorman, he's like, stop the music. <laughs> and then the <laughs> yeah. soundtrack of the movie cuts out. Yeah. So it's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Or should we wait till we talk about the ending and then decide? Yeah. Cause the do ending, we have an, a, a cemented opinion on what it's doing? The ending does a very similar thing again. Yep. Um, so do we, you want to talk the ending or should we wait? We can wait. Let's wait. We'll talk about the end. We'll, we'll get back to magic then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we talk about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to bring this up. So I talked about it. Actually, I don't know. The Golden Globes episode is out already, right? Yes. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge us. We have a weird time. Time is relative. (laughs) (laughs) Time is a construct. Exactly. So in that that case, our listeners have heard me mention Mm -hmm. meticulousness. Yeah. Um, As much praise as we're given Birdman. Mm -hmm. Let's not shy from the fact... This movie is obvious, a pain in the ass to have made. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, insane pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe the patience this cast had to make this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not realize that... In a relatively short time, I believe. Yeah. They filmed it super short. Well... Filmed it super short, but the rehearsals yeah. were, I think the rehearsal time was longer than the actual production time. I would believe it. Which you don't hear about yeah. ever. Yeah. You're lucky. I mean, a lot of actors will talk about like, we're lucky if we get any kind of yeah. rehearsal. It's I'll usually just <laughs> like yeah. you do the table read. Yeah. You show up to set, you do your like quick little camera tests and, uh, then Let's you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, these actors had to like 15 pages worth of dialogue mm-hmm. in one take. Yeah. What? Yeah. I make notes and I have a hard time even reciting my notes. <laughs> yeah. And they're right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So to get to my mentate, I am a fan of Alejandro Gian Inaritu. Thank you. Um, and I'm a huge fan of like David Fincher. Yeah. Um, but the meticulousness, right. it gets very apparent at some point in all of their movies where you're like, mm-hmm. your general audience is not going to give a shit mm-hmm. if some character walking down the stairs isn't perfect. Yeah. Isn't just move the movie. I, I can't believe you hear it. And it's usually that kind of scene yeah. that has the most takes. Right. So you, you mentioned earlier uh, the tally of who's making the most mistakes. Yeah. I can't imagine the stress this cast was under because unlike a lot of movies, if you mess up a line or your mark, yeah, you just start, you know, at the beginning of that line. Right. This Which movie, is like a minute or two ago. Right. 
this movie is you mess up a line. We have to go all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you set it up and they say cut and they go reset to one, there's like a 10 minute ordeal once the camera has to go back upstairs and they have to reset all of the like props and everything. And- yeah. I can't imagine it like too much stress for me. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, to me, as much as I love Birdman and, and I really am a fan mm-hmm. of the director, but I'm like, there has to be yeah. a line drawn. Yeah. When you get so caught up in like, the perfection of the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I think the more I started thinking about it, rewatching it this week and after watching Mank and just knowing their reputations, yeah. I was like, okay, I kind of get why some of the people I've talked to about Birdman yeah. don't like it because they're like, it's so pretentious because mm-hmm. I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still love the movie. Right. But I get it yeah. because it's so obvious that it was like, we have to be perfect. You have to hit every little step. You have to do every little thing just right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it you, is, you said that you have to, you said that it's obvious and the, the, the audience can tell. Yeah. Um, I think that you, the audience can tell because nobody talks like that. Yeah. It's this, it's the same for, <laughs> for, I mean, Fincher films, Aaron Sorkin, the way he writes, everything is so on top of each other and tightly done that no nobody talks like that everybody makes mistakes i make mistakes in the middle of a sentence probably a dozen times right i'll um, forget what i'm saying mid-sentence sometimes yeah. and so that's it's unnatural it's interesting and it moves things along and it seems very clever um but at some points and i noticed that watching mank i was like this is too clever like nobody talks like this i'm sure mank is a genius but also nobody talks like this and you're not yeah. that brilliant to come up with all these little things so fast it's just unrealistic and so I do think audiences can tell and you feel disconnected at times for that reason. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it, it kind of made me appreciate like Clint Eastwood's directing style. He's known for three or four takes. Yeah. And we just go with probably one of the first two. Yeah. Um, or Nolan, you Nolan. mentioned. You just, just do it. I want the most natural thing you can do and uh, yeah, we'll they'll, move on. They'll do a few takes. And Nolan's also notorious for being like, yeah, yeah I'm probably going to go with like the second take that yeah. we did yeah. out of five. <laughs> <Right. You know? laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And there are, there are other directors who will have something happen in a movie and they'll, they won't even tell the actor it's going to happen. They'll just spring it on them. That was your reaction. That was honest. We're moving. That's yeah, that the was, only one we're doing. That's the take that we keep then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people are going to think that we're trying to be biased. We are. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously we're biased. Uh, Nolan with the Dark Knight. Yeah. When Joker blows up the hospital, mm-hmm. that's an outtake. Yeah. But Nolan kept it in because it felt like, mm-hmm. yeah, that it's yeah. the most realistic. When it, di- when it didn't all go the first time and he kind of shakes the thing and bangs it on his hand. And then it goes. Yeah. Um, but it, it made me appreciate that style more because I did find myself. Yeah. I, I connect way more with mm-hmm. the movies where it's, it feels more natural. It feels more real. Yeah. Whereas there is a point where you're like, man, they got so caught up in just the perfection of this. Mm -hmm. And I actually kind of think when it comes to Birdman, I think I appreciate Keaton's performance even more having thinking of that because I've been a fan of Michael Keaton for a long time. Right. And he does a lot of stuff in this movie that he has done in a lot of his other films. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see him still doing that because when he does those little like, Michael Keaton, uh, 
movements or he'll yeah. change his voice up a little bit. He does that like slightly higher pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the scene that really stands out to me that is like, this is Michael Keaton. Yeah. Is him talking to his daughter when he's like got a cheek full of food and he's talking about the tiny hammers hitting him in the nuts. Yeah. That to me is like, yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is a Michael Keaton scene. Yeah. This is. <laughs> yeah. And that scene kind of makes me wonder, did Keaton at some point have to tell the director, mm-hmm. dude, I'm going to play it this way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way for this to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like he would have, should have trusted him if that did happen. I feel like yeah. as Michael Keaton, you can do that and uh, and get away with it. Same, same with Edward Norton. Same with a lot of those people that you're doing this thing based on me. This is what I would do. So I need to yeah. do this. Even though you said the character of this character is so opposite, the most opposite right. of Michael Keaton in real life. Um, I think that he did bring a lot of himself to it. Oh, yeah. Which I think that has to be a natural part of the yeah. the art. Oh, yeah. This, this movie rewatching this week really like set me off on a... Because I watched this and then Mank right after it. And yeah. I was like, oh. Too Meticulousness. Polished. Yeah, yeah, too polished. It's yeah it's okay for a little Mm -hmm. leeway a little yeah yeah it's it's interesting while you were talking about i was thinking about other things i mean for some reason i'm thinking of like ballet and stuff you want the most perfect performance you don't want somebody who goes out and dances and whatever it ends up being it ends up being it needs to be flawless Mm -hmm. i certainly get that as part of like creating a piece of art but then yeah i certainly also like catching a capturing a part of life a real life thing and someone that you identify with or a part of life you relate to um as well uh there's a movie i don't know if you've seen it called the mayorowitz stories not yet but Uh, i've wanted to that's the one with adam sandler and ben stiller right yeah adam sandler dustin hoffman emma thompson um ben stiller and they're like i bring it up because it's kind of the opposite as far as dialogue goes. Okay. Every, everybody's talking over each other. It's very realistic as far as how families talk to each other. Um, like these brothers and the way that they communicate or or there's a lack of communication. Like they're talking about two separate things and not really connecting or um, or you're in, in the middle of a just a family dinner or whatever and everybody's kind of talking over each other and you're not waiting for that first person to finish their sentence and then you say your sentence right. and all that stuff. It's like it flows more naturally. It's more sp- like sporadic and awkward for a lot of reasons because you're not used to hearing that also. Um, but it's a different, interesting, different thing that seems real. So it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast it to this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one that it's on my to watch list. Yeah, but God damn it, there's just so much freaking <laughs> content to try and yeah, like absorb. Uh, so we we briefly teased or talked about the critic thing. Yeah, let's talk about the let's critic. talk about the critic. Um, because you and I are, <laughs> I feel like we're actually in terms of movie critic mentality. I feel you and I are mm-hmm. actually really, 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 really yeah forgiving almost or like just open-minded right that's better we're open-minded to a lot more we've said oftentimes that art is subjective and it's very difficult to rate something or critique something on every single element that goes into it yeah certainly you can be like 
oh, that boom mic shouldn't fall into the shot that was just poorly executed. That's an obvious thing. But when it comes down to, oh, I didn't really care for this character, I didn't really care for this story, or whatever, so much of that is subjective. And so some people will like it, gravitate to it. Some people, it's not for them. Right. And uh, we're totally fine. I don't care what you <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> we're... we're... Because I guess technically we would be yeah. amateur critics. Yeah, I think I'm I'm critical of things, but I also recognize I like really weird things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, certainly not everything I like I, is right. I've had right. several people tell me, like, you like this movie, but you hated this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. personal uh, preference. I- <laughs> yeah, I'm also a, I'm a walking hypocrite. Also, oh, 100% so. we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just ranted about like stop worrying about perfection in a film. Mm-hmm. I love David Fincher. <laughs> yeah. Like I have all of his movies. Yeah. I watch them regularly. Oh yeah. I will continue to be a fan of his. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how it is. Yeah. What he does is just different. It's it's his thing, it's his style. Yeah. And it it works. If he was doing the exact same thing and it wasn't working, I wouldn't like it. Right. So it's not that he's doing that thing that's why he's great he's making great things he happens to be doing it that way yeah um watching the critic in this movie which to me yeah. is like the uh personification mm-hmm. of rotten tomatoes yeah <laughs> yeah there's a single critic at the bar who's like the the times or whatever yeah she's the she's one like, she's like the critic they want to impress in order for their play to be successful and trying to like schmooze her and like get her interested and uh yeah and she's definitely the they boil down all critics into a single person for that reason and they just god you hate her so yeah much well she sucks for one thing she does suck <laughs> there's a good reason to hate her because yeah, yeah. she she tells him that i'm going to sink your play whether I, it's good or not she yeah. even tells him like i don't care if it yeah. is good she's before she's seen it she's decided I'm going to write bad things about your play. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to be long running. Nobody's going to come see it because I said it's bad. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's gatekeeping uh, Broadway. She's very, like you mentioned, um, doesn't, she doesn't like him and the fact that he's a Hollywood actor who came to Broadway and their Broadway's work ethic is different. You're, he, she doesn't like him because his play is taking up a space that a real play could be utilizing which is like almost a verbatim line that she gives him exactly yeah she tells him at one point that he's not an actor he's just a celebrity Mm -hmm. and you're like the fuck (laughs) damn girl um but keaton has a moment with her Mm -hmm. that i'm like this feels like every actor yeah every filmmaker i feel like he's saying to her Mm -hmm. what Every one of them want mm-hmm. to say to every critic. Yeah. Yeah. As, <laughs> as biting and venomous as what she said was, he claps back at her in a great way. And it's so awesome. He basically tells her, he's like, you are lazy. You are just sitting on the sidelines commenting on things. You're not doing the actual work. We're right. over here performing I am writing, I am directing, I am performing, I'm doing this every day. And all you do is you say, that's good or that's not good, and you and that's it. Yeah, he like flips through a notebook. This is just labelings. All you yeah. do is label. You don't know what the fuck you're actually yeah. talking about. All you're doing is labeling people and things. <laughs> yeah, he, he picks up the little flower and he's like, label this! 
Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, and his rant goes on quite a bit and he does that scene with him. He does a lot of, uh, like little movements and his facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, it's so like instantly, mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you, you just, you want to applaud him. You yeah. feel like he's doing what you feel like you want to do yourself. Right. Uh, it definitely like, I mean, I hope critics mm-hmm. took it to heart. I doubt they did. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, I'm like, man, if I was yeah. one of these shitty critics, I feel like I would almost be offended by it. But that would be a good thing. <laughs> right. Right. Because then I'm being challenged. And yeah. You should be challenged. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it, I mean, it's. In a lot of areas, in a lot of ways, it's easy to focus too much on what you're doing and not seeing the bigger picture or who it affects and all that stuff. Yeah. And so if you get focused too much on being a critic and being critical of every little thing about a play, you kind of lose scope that, oh, this is a thing that a lot of people are putting a lot of time and effort into, even though we have been critical of things that we may have not cared for or didn't speak to us or excite us. We, I think that we do still try to be like, but that person worked really hard on it and and certainly don't give up on it. There were good things in it. Definitely do those. Yeah. Try to not do the things that weren't as good as much. Um, I think that there's you can still see the person or the effort separate from the art. Yeah. And that yeah. The, the art itself may not have been what you wanted or not have been well, good, it- but... To me, it calls back, for me personally, it calls back to, like, what I talked about in our comedy episode. Yeah. Go listen to our comedy episode. It's yeah. one of our first ones. Early on. Um, <laughs> uh, where I talked about, like, I got caught up in the pretentiousness, where I became yeah. so critical and hateful of everything I was watching. And it was so dumb. Yeah. Um, I had lost the basic foundation of movies, of mm-hmm. storytelling. Yeah. It's entertainment. Right. If it if at any point you were entertained by it, mm-hmm. it did its job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and some things that, some things you don't need to try to get more out of. Some things you can just see for what they are and enjoy right. for what they are. Yeah, and I think uh I think that's an important thing for like everyone to kind of mm-hmm. grasp is understand not every movie is made to be quote unquote a masterpiece. Not every movie Right is made to be like super spectacle mm-hmm. when you kind of correct the perception or not. I shouldn't say correct. When you adapt your perce- perception in films, yeah. it really kind of helps you like suddenly appreciate a lot more. And I yeah. think not to toot our own horns, but I think you and I do a good job of that. Yeah. Considering some of the movies that we absolutely love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's another thing. So, We've been kind of doing homework for a while of going through IMDb and marking all the movies we've God, seen. It's never ending. I can't. I can't keep up. There's a lot of. I've noticed there are a lot of movies that I should have seen and haven't. Yeah. And I've also noticed there's a lot of dumb movies that I've seen that I like quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I recognize that they're not going to win any awards, but I'm so glad they exist. Yeah. And. A lot of the time, I find myself doing this homework thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, Wandering Lions. It's never going to end for me. Okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, There's a lot of movies that I'm like, it's such a goofy or silly movie, whether yeah. it's action or comedy or horror. Right. But I'm like, 
but I like telling people about these movies mm-hmm. and I like showing people these movies because yeah. usually I'll get the same reaction of like people being like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and then it'll be a week or two down the road and they're like talking about the movie. And yeah. like, that's the point. Yeah. I kind of really liked that. Like one scene will stick with, it happens to me all the time. Yeah. I'll watch a movie that I'm like, ah, eh, not a big fan of it, mm-hmm. but one scene will stick with me. Yeah. And I'll have to rewatch it. And every time like that scene comes up, I get excited. Mm-hmm. And then it starts growing into like the build up to that scene. Yeah. And then it's just before I realize like the that seed I'm like, of an idea. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, I just like the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm actually a legitimate fan of this movie. Right. Right. Um, back to the critic and yeah. Birdman. Uh, I think the actress playing the critic, she does such a great job of like, portraying that embodiment of the mm-hmm. pretentious side of critics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, whenever you hate a character so much mm-hmm. that you're like, God, I want to throw a glass at a bar. I want to lash out. Yeah. You're doing a good job. <laughs> you're making me feel something very right. deep. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like, even though he comes back at her and he seems to have a strong response or argument against what she's saying you can also tell through the course of the movie that he internalizes a lot of those same things yep like he suffers very much from imposter syndrome that he doesn't belong there or people will find out he's a fraud or whatever and that's a big part of the Birdman monologues in his head which is no you're not these things you're you're just this guy who's washed up that people recognize from this thing and um and so i think that's a big a big part of that also where even though he seems to have a strong response against it, it's because he's been arguing against himself and the right. same he, thing. He's being challenged and himself. He, he still also doubts it that he she may be right and he he worries about that also. Right. Which is another reason I worry I I'm not the biggest fan of being too critical because I like encouraging people more than I like breaking people down. Right. I think that sounds obvious, but I think that not a lot of people do that at the same time. That you can say this part could be improved or this part's not that great, but don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Keep doing yeah, this. we want to see more. We, yeah. like, as someone who, I mean, I can't wait to get back to it mm-hmm. uh, for like opening weekends at the theaters and yeah. stuff. I love going to a theater, watching a movie that might have a cast member that I haven't been a big fan of, Mm -hmm. and then being surprised and like, well, that character ended up being my favorite character in the movie, you know? Like Amanda Seyfried and Mank. Amanda Seyfried and Mank, for you. Yeah. Um, Robert Pattinson was a big one for me. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Obviously, we could... Yeah, do a whole Twilight episode, but we're we're not <laughs> not yet, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, there there was a big point where we just wrote off Robert Pattinson, right? And we're like, well, okay, so he's that guy, he's done, but still kept going and seeing his movies, and I'm so glad we did because we found so many great yeah, things. I, that I he's mean, done. I I was going through a whole bunch of my movies and stuff, and I was like, at one point. Did I have all of these Robert Pattinson films? And I'm yeah. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like you played me, man. Yeah. Uh, this movie with Birdman, it, it does end up kind of going that route mm-hmm. because she does give a pretty generous review. Yeah. Um. Well, in a weird but way. In a weird way. Yeah. In a weird way, but it, it's like it. 
it feels generous. Yeah. Mainly based off of Zach Galifianakis's like response reaction yeah. to it. <laughs> He's like, "This is great. This is better than we could have imagined." And now this play is going to be all over the world, and yeah. we're going to have books, and we're going to have all of this stuff. This was a success. But it, it, it to me that that was a connection I made for my own self was yeah. that like you can be mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. You can be yeah. like shocked. That's true. That's true. She was certainly, obviously, going into it being intending to be critical she'd already made up her mind yeah and then she went and saw the play uh because she had to do her job i guess and then that like the last scene happens and the accident happens which we'll get into yep um and then she does she writes a a review that is the title of the movie which is that there was an unexpected virtue of ignorance and ends up changing her mind even though she had made up her mind, she still yeah. was open enough to watch something and have it changed for her, which is beautiful, I think. Yeah, which and and I, you know, like I said, I I connected to that because I was like, I feel mm-hmm. like I've done that. Yeah, and continued to do that. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, big time. Uh, I'm, I'm I tend to be pretty critical of like Michael Bay movies. Yeah, because they're essentially the same movie. Mm-hmm. But I've watched a couple. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's funny. As critical as I am, <laughs> yeah, being the walking hypocrite that I am, much all of them. Looking through all of the movies I own, I'm like, what? I yeah. own like five or six of his movies. Actually, it's more than that. But yeah. it's like, for as critical as I am of him, yeah, I, I have bought, I have given him my money, <laughs> right, and I watch some of his movies yeah. <laughs> I'm like the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of which you recommended me and it mm-hmm. it's one that i actually recommend to other people it's very weird yeah. it puts me in a weird spot <laughs> but <laughs> yeah well i think yeah pain and gain is a very different kind of movie compared to all the other ones that you were worried about right i think 13 hours is also like that yeah and so you should see that but this isn't Michael Bay. But it's yeah. that whole sequence, the whole finale of the movie is very mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to get into it. Yeah, yet we can or... get into okay. it now. So you brought up the accident. Yeah. Is it an accident? <laughs> I I think so. I mean, so. he loads the gun. He loads the gun, but they might be blanks. And so they may not be live guns. So the earlier on in the movie, he, Edward Norton tells him, he's like, this gun is crap, and I can see the orange plug in the end, and I'm not threatened when you point it at me, and I need to be method, and he's super, like, actory. Right. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, get a bigger, better gun. And so Michael Keane does get a better gun. It's like a real gun. It seems like a real gun. <laughs> it seems like a real gun. It mi- they might be blanks, but I know that people certainly have died and been seriously injured by blanks in movie making. Right. Well, there's, like, that common uh, misconception that yeah. you can put a gun with blanks in it, point blank yeah. like on you and you'll be fine yeah just because there's a projectile no, there's not a projectile in it there's still a live round in it uh, yeah you, you, you still can't <laughs> trust it <laughs> yeah and so he the end of the play is supposed to be that he holds the prop gun up to his head pulls a trigger and a blood pack and his wig goes off to look like blood and he kills himself um in the first night of the actual showing um he does that and he holds the gun up to his head and uh, he goes down and everybody applauds and it's this huge big moment makes you think like jesus christ he just like yeah killed himself yeah i'm like did he just this ending die? sucks <laughs> yeah. and all these people are applauding and i'm like this is dark but real and might be amazing 
and then it goes to the hospital and he's not dead he kind of blew his nose he off just a little shot his bit nose off. and so he has this bandage all over his face which looks very much i'm sure intentionally looks like the bird man it was mask. it's supposed to kind of uh represent like the Birdman mask and the phantom of the opera okay which reading production notes the phantom of the opera ended up being kind of like an underlining theme to the movie interesting yeah i also saw that it followed Macbeth quite a lot yeah well at one point there's a guy on the street that's quoting Macbeth to him yeah and so uh (laughs) michael keen's character is very much like lady Macbeth in the way that his the things that happen to him and how he reacts um but yeah there's a drunk guy who's quoting Macbeth in a very the way that the movie does everything is so good but the way that he's just shouting Macbeth out as uh, Michael Keaton's walking down the street and going into a liquor store. Well, and coming at first, out. it's like just you take it as a drunk guy yeah. outside, but then it like mm-hmm. focuses on him. It brings it all. Yeah. In. When he comes out, he like addresses him, and yeah. the drunk guy addresses Michael Keaton and like talks to him, and like it it's gets like, very grounded. All what do you think, man? <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- there's several things like that. Like yeah. th- we talked about the drumming and stuff. There's a point where they're just walking down the street, and then you realize the drumming's coming from this street performer guy who's doing jazz drums and then he ends up in the building and yeah he's in the building very weird but they don't acknowledge him in the building but they do acknowledge him in the street, on the street. yeah um but yeah so he he's in the hospital this is one of those moments like you brought up at the start of this is yeah. the way time moves in the movie yeah so at first thought you would think this is like the next day yeah but then they talk about, well, he's got a new nose. And you're like, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time that had to have gone by then. Yeah. <laughs> like, how long has it been? And then yeah. he's got the review and you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's not the yeah. next day. At least it's, a couple of days, probably. <laughs> right. so it, but it doesn't feel like, you don't feel like you lost any time in the movie. Right. It's still very easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like when you were backstage and you were looking at a character and then the camera turns and all of a sudden they're on stage. Yeah. It flows so well that you, that certainly time had to have passed, but you're fine skipping over it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Time is relative. Time is relative. Time's a construct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when when he's in this, in there and he has the, the mask on and everything, um, do you want to jump straight to the window thing? No, we can, we can, we'll, we'll just do the whole... Okay. Yeah, yeah. We don't got to jump straight to it. Straight to it. No pun intended, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so, all of the stuff with the, the review and all of that um, kind of just inspires him. It's like, I did it. I like that part where he feels very successful that he... It was such a struggle. You went through the whole struggle with him through yeah. the movie to actually achieve this great opening night. Well, and I also think... The ending's very interesting to me because they do change things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where suddenly, because you don't see Keaton yeah. until after his daughter brings in the flowers. The flowers. But they're a specific kind. They're like... Yeah. Oh, shit. They're like purple and... Are they lilies? No, they're too small to be lilies. Or are they like... They're some kind of flower. Are they the kind he originally asked for? I don't remember if they're that, but they have a purpose. Okay. Like a meaning. Yeah. Because we're going to sound like real stupid because it's from, uh, uh, they're the same flowers that were used to cover up the smell of the dead. Oh, uh, they might be lilies. Dahlias. I don't know. I think there's a relationship, but they have like 
lore to it where it's okay. it's bad luck to give someone in a hospital interesting or in some kind of recovery or yeah. ailment that kind of flower okay so it's interesting that she brings him flowers are an interesting theme in the movie because the very first scene you see of emma stone uh her dad had sent her to the market to get flowers and she calls him because they don't have the flowers he wants and uh and then, so she brings him back roses or something and leaves a note that says they didn't have what you wanted. Yeah. And then, yeah, she brings him flower in the, flowers in the hospital and he makes a joke like he can't smell them because um, he has a nose job. <laughs> but yeah, flowers are an interesting trend. Yeah. Well, and he hates roses. And yeah. He gets a shitload of roses. <laughs> yeah. Which almost feels like all the attention from mm-hmm. Common. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I I always find it really, and I really noticed it this time around, was the movie is on him mm-hmm. for 98% of it. Yeah. And then the ending comes up, mm-hmm. and you are his point of view suddenly for some of it. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, this is interesting. I'm not seeing him for, I think it's like almost five minutes. You don't see him yeah. laying in the bed. Yeah. Which is such an odd, like, it's a little shift, but it's enough to make you... Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned where you've gone through it with him. Yeah. And now you're seeing this. Right. Right. Yeah. And you only ever see a couple of scenes from the play. Um, when after that first scene where he's on the ledge and he jumps mm-hmm. off and flies, he flies back to the theater and goes in. And then there's like a fade where time passes. And then the audience comes out. They had just seen the first half of the play they're coming out in intermission and they're like oh it was great it was so good i can't believe the first half was so good right how can it be any better and then you go to the last half and the op- closing scene is when he shoots his nose off um yeah yeah it's really interesting i'm trying to find the flowers i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love his joke where he tries to smell the flowers and then he yeah. starts laughing she's like you think this is funny and he's like no i just can't smell them <laughs> so i guess we should get because not a lot happens between there. She goes to get him, like, something to drink. Yeah. And then he gets up, goes to the bathroom. He tears off the bandages. Mm-hmm. And his face is all bruised up. Lilacs. Lilacs! You and I just found it at the same time. <laughs> I googled Birdman flowers meaning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I always feel like a crazy person when I Google stuff. I'm just a man <laughs> shouting at the clouds. Birdman flowers meaning. That's essentially what we do. <laughs> Google! <laughs> No, go away, Google. Alchemelias is the first one, and lilacs and roses. Yeah. So he like he goes in the bathroom. He's looking at himself in the mirror. He, he strips off the mask. Yeah. Or the bandages that. Yeah. Are the mask? Right, the Birdman mask. And then Birdman is taking a shit. <laughs> yeah. In the bathroom with him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, that's a funny. Yeah. Joke, like, which he sees but doesn't acknowledge. Well, he like. He mumbles, so I have a tendency to watch movies with subtitles all the time. Okay. Uh, it's just something when my daughter was a mm-hmm. baby, mm-hmm. rocking her, and you just had to have the movies on subtitles so that she could yeah. Okay. And I just stuck with it. I don't know why. Interesting. Right. He does say lines there. He okay. tells Birdman goodbye. Interesting. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. He's like, I, it's like three words, like, uh, he tells him bye and then he calls him like you fuck (laughs) and then he goes to the window yeah and this we didn't mention that he when we the first time you see birdman is when he's like following him down the sidewalk yeah after he had woken up in an alley had drank too much he woke up in an alley 
you see Birdman like following him around, talking to him, doing the Birdman narration voice, berating him. And then that whole scene is very interesting because it's the probably the most like m- the most like on the nose, self-referential um, commentary oh. <laughs> on Hollywood movies, basically. Elaborate sequence. Because yeah. <laughs> it Birdman's following him, Birdman starts to fly and he's talking about like doing a big blockbuster, it'd be so easy you could have like Birdman Rise of the Phoenix movie, like Rise yeah. from the Ashes. And uh and then there's like all these like special effects happen. All of, all of a sudden it's an action like, movie. A car blows up, he looks up, there's this giant CGI yeah. mechanical bird monster yeah. thing. There are helicopters with mini guns and it's just like <laughs> an action movie all of a sudden. Uh, that part's very interesting and very cool. But yeah, very a commentary on exactly what the point of the movie is. Right. And we can't bring that scene up or this movie in general up yeah. without noting one of the funniest details. And that's Michael Keaton's caw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caw! yeah. Birdman's like, when you caw, and then it goes, it just sweeps to Michael Keaton. He goes, caw. <laughs> it's just so like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so Birdman follows him. That's when that's the yeah. scene where you learn like all the times you've heard Birdman, mm-hmm. he's been following. Like he's always with yeah Riggin Thompson, right. Michael Keaton's character. Uh, and then seeing him taking a shit is such a like. Yeah, I'm still here. Still here. <laughs> like, you haven't gotten rid of me. <laughs> um. So him at the window. Yeah. Yeah. So then he cl- opens the window, is looking at the birds flying around, climbs up out of the window. And then uh, you don't really see That's anything. the last you see him. Yeah. And then uh, Emma Stone comes back in with a vase for the flowers and checks the bathroom. Oh, camp. yeah, that's right. She does. She goes to get a vase, yeah. not something to drink. Yeah, she can't find her dad. She goes to the bathroom. He's not in there. Comes to the open window. Looks down. Looks around. Doesn't see him. Slowly looks up. Smiles. Fade to black. Fade to black. <laughs> and that last little, like, yeah. grin. Yeah. Is he flying away? He has to be. <laughs> I think that if you had cut, if you had cut earlier, it would leave ambiguity. Yeah, I got there. Ambiguity. Um, <laughs> but I think because she looks down, you you can tell in her face she doesn't see him. Yeah, and then she looks up, and you can tell that she does see him, and she's glad for him. He has to have flown away. That's the only way that it can be taken, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm with you. Okay. Because to me, yeah, all the other times that they like make you kind of go back and forth, yeah. Kenny, does he use magic in the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, he does. Yeah, and it really cemented for me this time around mm-hmm. with that scene where he tells Galifianakis's character, "Like I did that," yeah, and he gets blown off. To me, it was very like magic exists in this world. Yeah. Some people have it, some people don't, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I think that... It might just be that he has it. It could just be that he has There's it. There's no way to know. But it's still just... Yeah. Like, big whoop. Right. <laughs> no, right. Uh, I do think he flies away. Okay. I do. Yeah. 100% he flies away. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that his daughter is the last one to see him. Yeah. I think that's a real neat detail. Yeah. That she's the last one. She comes in. They actually have a kind of sentimental moment. moment. Yeah. And then she gets to see him actually fly and take off. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It's a nice, like, connection that she'll, she has to know that 
know that he's not like run off without her right or dead or Uh, whatever to me it's very much uh she sees him doing something incredible yeah and her little grin to me is a like Mm -hmm. i'm proud of my dad moment of like oh he does have incredible things in him so yeah oh he totally has to fly magic has to be real in this movie it has to be yeah or he he found what he needed or wanted or found Found some kind of peace and joy in it yeah um yeah, which is, she seems happy for him. For me, which is really telling, and what we kind of talked about earlier of like embracing mm-hmm. what like early success is for you, or yeah. embracing the parts of your life that are good, but you view them in a negative, and mm-hmm. you know, forcing that change in uh, perspective. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I Bergman has almost too many layers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah i feel you and i have only surface yeah talked on things <laughs> yeah yeah even, which is okay even talking about a single movie for an hour and a half or whatever <laughs> it's like yeah there are so many other things that you could certainly go into all of the correlations between broadway and the plays and the the famous plays macbeth right. and all and how that all connects uh, you could get very deep into this movie. Yeah. I think it's a, a brilliant movie. Honestly, it's all speculation. Yeah. Oh, for I sure. I mean. For sure. I don't know. We didn't it's, write it. It's my interpretation of the things that I yeah. saw. Which uh, which makes this movie, mm-hmm. pretty much every movie, honestly, so awesome. Yeah. A good reminder of like, mm-hmm. you said it earlier, mm-hmm. um, about art. And it's just what everyone kind of interprets mm-hmm. a story to be mm-hmm. how do you interpret different things i mean even some superhero movies yeah still have people you know <laughs> questioning mm-hmm. the ending right we can do that one later <laughs> <laughs> and your perception matters so much like i only think that because of all the things the movie showed me right but there are a lot of movies that have that's why i love like fan theory so much is as soon as somebody gives you some new information and you can see everything from a different perspective, then everything can change. Right. And all of the same information can mean something different if you have some more. So it, it, it is certainly subjective in that way. Yeah, it's just Birdman is such a great movie in that kind of uh, telling of how do you interpret yeah. art? How do you right. interpret, you know, emotional mm-hmm. uh, challenges? And yeah. <laughs> like, because although... Yeah, and it gets very deep into the what the people are going through and how you're interpreting their situations. Right. Why, why is Edward Norton the way he is? And he gives you a little bit of information, but there's a lot to that. So, yeah, your perception of all that as well. It, it's just, it, it really makes you kind of sit back. For me, it really helps keep the mentality of, like, actors, mm-hmm. whether it's Broadway or movies or TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not high on a pedestal you know they're not like they're not above anyone they're yeah just as if not way more fucked up than all of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> there are people doing a job and there are parts of the job that can be very glamorous but they're just people doing a job right <laughs> uh i think birdman and it and there's several other movies and shows that have done this but uh, we're focusing on birdman yeah. uh, <laughs> i think it does a good job of reminding the mm-hmm. audience of like Hectors are just as fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay. You don't have to put them on <laughs> right. a huge pedestal. Yeah. You can look up to them and Nor respect them. Nor should you, but, probably. 
Yeah, nor should you. Probably shouldn't in a lot of cases. I mean, <laughs> it's weird saying, like, I'm a big Edward Norton fan and then being like, but I hate the way he approaches uh-huh. his work ethic. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> but, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but I'm a fan of his yeah. movies. I- yeah. the, the product ends up being good, but maybe not a fan of how it's made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, got it. Watching Birdman again was <laughs> so much fun. Rarely do I watch a movie to try and note down mm-hmm. the layers yeah. and try to watch it for the layers. Yeah. <laughs> and with this kind of movie... Very difficult to hit all of those layers. Yeah. I'm I'm sure just scratch the surface. I, I would hope the writer of it, by some miracle, if they ever heard us talking about it, or I'm sure they've already heard people talking about yeah. it over the years, they gotta get a sense of like entertainment. Mm-hmm. Just hearing everyone's theories and thoughts and feelings on it. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Oh yeah. Because only the writer knows. Mm-hmm. 100% of what the movie was. Yeah, what the intention was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. But yeah, final thoughts or? Uh, final thoughts are that I love it. And I, I'm i glad that we got to get deep into it. Yeah. It's it's one of those movies that I've liked for a long, really long time. And I haven't, I wouldn't say I've recommended it to a lot of people, but I should. I like I feel like a lot of people probably would like it. I'm interested to see other people's opinions. Yeah. So definitely like comment on our stuff. Just send well, us yeah, a DM. tell us your uh your interpretations. I will say, like, yeah, if you're gonna tell mm-hmm. us what you thought, yeah. Uh try to keep it spoiler free just on that stuff. Yeah. You could DM us spoilery stuff because yeah. obviously we've seen it. <laughs> but if you, yeah. <laughs> we we will be all right with that. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. It's just it's such a unique movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I, I don't recommend it to a lot of people, but I do think like yeah. you, I should. Yeah. But it's one of those movies where it's obvious, mm-hmm. not for everybody. Right. It just, it, it won't click with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very unique movie with a very specific style. Right. That being said, I, I do agree with the fact that it got put on the list of like a thousand movies you should see before you die. Yeah. you should see Birdman, whether you like it or not, just to see it. Yeah. Because it is an experience. It's so unique. Yeah. It's a very different experience. Were you watching it this week? uh, At any point, did you try catching yourself to count like where the cuts were? (laughs) A little bit. Okay. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, I I do that a little bit in general where I'm trying to, especially a movie that I've seen more than once. Right. The first time I watch it, I'm mostly watching it for whatever it is, whatever the story is. But the more I watch it, the more I try to appreciate everything about it. And and how how did the camera move back this way and go through this tight space? Like, how did they cut that? And, and the camera moves in really weird, interesting ways in this movie. Yeah. Mostly because it needs to navigate a tight place and a weird, uh, just a weird environment. But there are also other, like, just even outdoor shots that moves in a very different, weird way. So, yeah, I was paying attention to that and paying attention to cuts. And the scenes are so long. I, I love long, long scenes. Um, and, I, and I appreciate how difficult they are to pull <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I did for sure. Yeah, I started off telling myself, like, you've seen this so many times. <laughs> you can try and find the cuts. You yeah. can find that. And some are really obvious. Yeah. Uh, but I did find myself just like giving up on it because <laughs> yeah. I got 
You just get sucked into the story. Yeah, you do. Uh, and then it was like, oh, you only counted the obvious ones. You you <laughs> didn't even try with the others. Yeah. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. It's a great movie. It is. This, it this was cool. Uh, I like this. Let us know if you like this format. We have several other very interesting deep movies that we'd like to dive into. Yeah. But yeah, let us know if this was I mean, cool the, or different or interesting. I, I like the deep dive stuff that we do, uh, with, yeah. whether it's the director or actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we will continue it. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked being able to really open it up and and not worry about spoilers. And also, yeah. um, <laughs> let's a- face it, Jake, you have spoiled several movies. <laughs> only, only every Nicholas Sparks movie, <laughs> except one. Which I also kind of spoiled. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I like being able to to give the 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 movies are so long. We're talking about right. two hour two hours or plus movies generally, and it's just not fair to give it three minutes. Other than to say this is great for this couple of reasons, go check it out, uh, which we've been doing. But I I think there's a completely different thing to be like actually give it the credit for all of the work that went into it and why it's great and what it does that's new and interesting and which uh if if there's a movie that we've talked about yeah that uh, you, like that you would like about. us to go super deep into yeah, yeah tell we, us we do intend to revisit some of the ones that we've only barely touched on because we could get deep into those too yeah some of our favorites yeah because i know you and i have a tendency to be like i wanted to talk about this for so long and then like you <laughs> yeah. said we give it three five minutes and yeah. move on but that's because we're trying to talk about 20 movies 20 yeah. plus movies yeah in a reasonable amount and two-ish hours yeah granted we go on longer <laughs> sometimes when it's warranted fucking star wars <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh yeah so comment tell us your thoughts on birdman if you've seen it if you haven't yeah um if you hate it if you hate it if you love it and you can always call in if you would rather Tell us instead of type it. Yeah. Uh, leave us a voice. We would message. love to hear the voicemails. Bring them on. You only have about a minute to uh, do that, but you can leave us several. Oh, there if you go. You, if yeah. you want to string them together, just... Uh, God damn it. Please don't string them all we'll together. We'll get them all. <laughs> and we'll listen to them and we'll respond. So yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, so that's Birdman. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.